Welcome to the HEAL podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama 5, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Welcome back to the HEAL podcast. This is Mimi, and today we have Dr. Stephanie Young, and she's a licensed doctor of chiropractic, applied kinesiologist, trained in functional and traditional Chinese medicine. After years of struggling with chronic illness, only to be told it was all in her head and needed antidepressants, Dr. Young took things into her own hands and detoxed herself out of poor health, bit by bit. And she started her membership program because there were so many people struggling with mysterious symptoms as well. Having healed herself, Dr. Young understands what her patients are going through and what their symptoms are real. Today, Dr. Young has helped hundreds of people fighting chronic diseases. It is so refreshing to have a doctor on who understands her pain, and I'm so excited to have Dr. Young on the HEAL podcast today. Okay, thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on today. I'm so excited, but I would love for you to start out with just talking about your health journey and and then how you started doing what you're doing today. Yeah, thanks, Mimi. So my journey, I don't know that it was really necessarily a, a Lyme journey. I'd call it more of a what the heck is wrong with me journey and the process of basically uncovering that my body actually didn't fail me, that it was able to heal because conventional medicine tells you that, you know, you're incurable. You're just too stressed. You just need to relax. And once I started using holistic principles, I started to heal more and more and more. It took about three solid years for me to start healing up. Like I had abdominal pain, I had massive bloating constantly. I had neurological symptoms. I had partial blindness in like my left eye that would come and go. I had shortness of breath. I was dizzy all the time. I had these weird muscle fasciculations that I know that they are now, but back then it was just like my muscles were twitching all the time and I had no idea why. And I'd have like this recurring fever and flu like episodes every few weeks. So those were like my main, well, of course, Anxiety and depression was huge too back then. Um, So those were my main symptoms. And I started out in conventional medicine trying to figure out the problem, right? But then once I moved over to holistic medicine is when I started to heal. And how long were you not feeling well for? Oh, gosh. I was probably not feeling well for like maybe five years, but I could, you know, carry on with my life. But it was whenever I moved to South Korea, actually, after I graduated with my bachelor's, I moved to South Korea to teach English, just to kind of do something different. And there, and I think that was 2009 or so, that's when everything kind of started to fall apart. And I just, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And then from that point, it took about three or four years of constant like exploration and trying to heal and doing all kinds of therapies where I finally got from out from under that. Mm -hmm. And what was the first thing that you did with the alternative doctor? Oh, golly. The very first thing. Or what worked? What was the best impact? That's a tough one to answer because looking back and now having clinical experience, I can see it was really a compounded effort. I mean, I could say, okay, heavy metal detoxification was a huge one. It was, but I often wonder if I only did that would have had the most impact if I didn't do the other things prior to it. You know what I mean? But heavy metal detoxification was huge for me. That took several years. I mean, I still do it. I still do heavy metal chelation. I would say lots of herbals, but of course, all the drainage and the detoxification really was like the foundational part of my healing and and the healing I see people do now all the time. Mm -hmm. And so after you got better, that's when you decided to go back to school? 
Yes, exactly. So I started to get better. I left Korea. Actually, I went back to do pre-med because you have to have, you know, certain classes before you can go to medical school or, or chiropractic school. So I went back to my alma mater where I got my bachelor's and I started taking a few other classes to do pre-med and I was getting better and better. And then when I went to chiropractic school, finally, I was just about almost healed up, but I had some lingering things. So yeah. Great. So tell us about your program now, because you have a membership program. I think that's how you run your practice. Correct. So I have a membership program now. It's basically a hand-holding consultation membership. So it offers monthly calls with me, monthly consults with me every month, personalized health plans every time we have a call, access to me really almost daily with my office hours text app. They have like a membership text app that they can contact me all the time, which I think is amazing. Um, of course, they get the discounted tests, they get discounted supplements, and then also they get a really cool like members-only website where they get my educational videos, my master classes, and things like that. So I did that a couple of years ago. I opened it up because I saw such a need for functional medicine in people's lives and they couldn't access it locally, you know? So that's why I opened right. that up. Are you mostly seeing Lyme patients or what other type of patients? Yeah. Well, not, well we can't technically call them patients, right? If they're... Right across state lines. So I call them clients and members, but yeah, now it's 99% all virtual now. I will see someone locally from time to time, but it's 99% virtual. When your clients come to you, do you use tools to diagnose them or how do you determine what's wrong with them? Yes. So diagnosing is something that we can only do in person with someone that we have a legitimate doctor patient relationship with in our state of licensure. But, you know, I use tools. We can't call it diagnosing, but I use tools whenever I am on a call with somebody virtually. So I use, you know, really thorough histories, really thorough screening questionnaires, which that's hugely important. Even like in person, that's hugely, hugely important. So if you don't get a really good history, you're not going to really know how someone got to the place that they got. So that's really a tool that I use virtually and in person. Same thing with lab tests. So I use lab tests, functional tests, conventional tests to really get to the bottom of what's going on with the person as well. Mm -hmm. Do you find any of the Lyme diagnosis tests work or no? Do you rely on any of those? I do rely on them somewhat. I use it as a last resort just because it's so expensive, like the IgenX. But now, I don't know if you've heard of, I'm sure you have since you're in this, but DNA connections. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that one before? It's a year. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I use that from time to time, but and that's more cost effective. But even still, there's lots of false negatives um, in that or indeterminants. So it's still pretty murky. So I use the history. I use someone's symptom picture. I actually use, will use other tests to kind of see what's maybe the priority over Lyme because we have to usually tackle things before we tackle the Lyme too. Mm-hmm. So that was my one question. My next question is, if I came to you and I said to you, I, you know, I, I have Lyme, it came up in the Genix test, what would be the next steps? Like, what do you kind of attack first or treat first? Right. So the thing is, is when someone comes to me and let's say they have a positive Lyme, whether that's on a Western blot or IgenX or whatever, or they have very clear symptom picture of that, the first thing I would do is to address whatever pressing symptom they have in that moment you know, and try to help calm and ease that first and foremost to get them back to some kind of normalcy. So 
yeah, we got to do all the root cause work and we will do that. But if someone can't sleep or someone's having debilitating anxiety or depression, that's the first step is to just start kind of chipping away at this main symptom or two that has impacted their life royally. So that's the very first thing I always do. How can I get this person more stable first and foremost? Then the second thing that I would say I do is lots of drainage therapies, lots of detoxing, whether they have Lyme or whether they have mycoplasma or whether they have mold or some other pathogen or, you know, a high viral load, whatever that is, they, we, the foundational work is always drainage and detoxification. So before we kill anything, we have to open up those pathways so they don't get sicker and they do get sicker if you don't do that. So mm-hmm. those are probably the first kind of two things that I focus on when I first see someone, even if they have a positive Lyme test or they just clearly have Lyme. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite way to detox? Is it saunas or? Oh gosh, I do it all. I do it all. So saunas for sure, coffee enemas, castor oil packs, dry brushing, lymphatic massage, simply getting out and sweating in the sun, walking, just the act of breathing and upregulating your breath is going to help you detox. So I do everything that a person can tolerate because some mm-hmm. people can't. And I don't know if I said enemas, but some people cannot tolerate coffee enemas in, in the beginning, or they can't tolerate even sweating. So we have to kind of find what they can tolerate. Right, right. No, it's true. I actually love coffee enemas. That is kind of my yeah. go-to when I'm like feeling awful and I have to be somewhere and get myself out of bed if I'm in that state. Like Absolutely. that would always be my like, okay, that's going to get me kind of feeling better. I take my coffee enema everywhere I go. Like when I travel, I take it with me. I don't use it every time, but like you said, if you're feeling sick or something happens or a flare happens, anything, you have your coffee enema there, my goodness, that's when you need it. So I take it everywhere. Now, do you feel like you can completely like overcome Lyme or is that something like you always have and you just kind of have to like maintain it, like keep your body in balance for it not to flare up? (sighs) That's a good question. It's kind of a hard question. I would say, yes, you can overcome it. I've seen people overcome it. I mean, I suspect that I had Lyme or co-infections going on back whenever, you know, I was ill and I just wasn't diagnosed. Yes, you can overcome it. But, you know, it's a, and I hate using this word, it's a weakness in the physiology. Once the physiology knows a pattern in the past, it kind of will, it can go back to that pattern more easily. So if someone's not taking care of themselves or they have a really big stressor, yes, they could go back to that pattern. If they've healed themselves up pretty well, though, they probably won't go back to that level of sickness and illness. They might just have a temporary flare, have to get through it. But yeah, I do think you can overcome the bulk of debilitating symptoms. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because I think I'm, I'm almost there. Like I'm almost out of the woods but I'll still all of a sudden get a flare up where instead of me being in bed for a week, I'm in bed for a day or a weekend or, you know, a couple hours. And I kind of know how to come out of it pretty quickly, but it's really frustrating because I can't figure out, I know alcohol is a trigger. I know coffee is a trigger, but sometimes I haven't had any of those and I, I trigger and I'm like, where like it's frustrating because you're like, what triggered it? And I have no idea what triggered it. I know no rhyme or reason. I kind of think, not, and I don't even kind of think this. I, I know this clinically that what happens is with the mast cells, they learn that pattern, 
they degranulate, and this happens with any kind of pathogenic activity. And so I think with someone who has Lyme or any pathogen, they become more and more prone to have this degranulation of the mast cells. And so they start to heal. That starts happening much less. They start feeling better. Their GI tracts feeling better. Their mood's better. They don't have the shortness of breath as much anymore, whatever the, the symptoms are. But then something can happen, something outside in the environment or a stressor can happen, and that flare will happen up again. And you have no idea to know what was it. Who knows, right? Right, right. And the one thing, it's like, I feel better now. I can get out of bed. My, my two things that are still like bothering me are, I still have like aches and pains, like in my shoulder. I couldn't do like a push-up. Like I'm in the pain, you know, like I have to take pain medicine to get through the day. Right. And then out of nowhere, I'll get hives now, massive hives. Okay. And I've had, I've taken the mast cell test or whatever, like a lot, and it keeps coming back negative. So it's just like, that's just like those two things. Now I just have to make sure no matter what, I always carry Claritin with me because. What mast cell test? The triptase you mean? The one that you pee for 24 hours. And, and then there's another one I took that blood one too, and it came back negative. So, cause they usually say the hives are because of, is it mast cell? Am, am I saying it wrong? I don't even know. It could be mast cell activation. It could be yeah. hives. Or but it's not coming back. And it's only when I get cold. It's like in the morning if I'm outside and I'm walking and it's cold, I'll get hives. It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> is it the cold? Is it a temperature thing? Or is it something that you're happen to be exposed to when you're out walking? No, it's the cold. Cause I could just even be like during the day in like a grocery store. And if I'll go into like a refrigerator or go past like the cold aisle, it will start happening. Or I'll be out at night at dinner and it gets cold at night and I'm wearing a skirt, it starts happening. It's just the weirdest thing. It is weird, but then it also, again, I, I, I always go back to, and it's more philosophical or theoretical, but like the patterns, the body will learn a pattern and as a protective mechanism, if it is exposed into a similar environment, it'll recreate that same pattern yeah. or that same cascade because in its own function it's thinking there's some reason that's protecting you so just re yeah. that pattern for the person it's like oh this is uncomfortable why would my body do this but there's some reason it's doing it and reliving that pattern right yeah it's, and the question is how do you break that right and then so my other question is if somebody has a chronic illness or Lyme what can they do at home like to start the healing process like what should they kind of do first and I think a lot of people they get the diagnosis or they don't feel well they're overwhelmed like they don't even know which doctor to go to. And then also there's like a lot of financial burden to some people. So they don't even know where to start because of financially. So is there anything that they can do at home that doesn't cost money that can put them in the right direction? Oh, absolutely. I mean, doesn't cost money, no, but doesn't cost as much money as maybe going to see a functional medicine doc that costs five or $600. Yes, like there's cheaper options at home. I would say the first one, and this is not free, but it's pretty low cost is what we kind of already touched on, which is drainage, detoxification, and then I would say binding. So drain, bind, drain, bind. So doing the saunas, doing the coffee enemas, binding that up, doing castor oil packs, binding that up. So doing all those cheaper, low-cost therapies in your own home and making sure you're using binding to pull out that bio waste. So that would be the first thing I would do at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I would say, I would add on to like making sure you try to stop putting the toxins back in your body, right? Absolutely. Yep. You nailed it. So a friend and colleague of mine, I think he calls it non-tox or untox or something like that. So we detox, but we also have to 
untox our life and stop adding in insult to injury and adding in more environmental pollutants in our household products, in our lawn products, our garden products, our food, all those things, you're exactly right. That has to be eliminated. That has to be cleaned up while you're trying to also detox and drain. Right. What is your take on, do you touch on EMF at all? All the time. I'm huge into this and I've gotten even more into it in the last year because I no longer could deny the science. I started reading the science of it. I mean, we have over a thousand studies on the ill effects of radio frequencies, lower than levels that we're already exposed to. So yeah, I talk about it all the time with my clients. What can you do? I mean, I've been following people and they're like, just get rid of everything and live in a house that's whatever. I mean, that's unrealistic, right? So it's like, no one's going to do that. So it's like to get people in that going in that direction, like, is there anything that you recommend or you tell people to do? Like, obviously don't plug your phone in next to your bed and leave it there like for your head. So like other things like that, like, do you put stuff like in the back of your phone or your computer, like any of those chips or do you wear a necklace or... No. And I mean, actually, let me back up. That's not true. I have done that. Can you see? Yeah. Me? Yes. That's I have. what I have. You do? Well, I'm going to uh-huh. burst, burst the bubble. I've had this for over 10 years. It does nothing. It doesn't. I had, I had it tested. I had an actual EMF expert come into my home and do my home evaluation. His name's Brian. I don't know if you know who he is. One of the top reputable guys in the whole building biologist field. He actually is a consultant for Dr. Klinghart. Do you know who he is? He's a lawyer. Yes, of course. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and Klinghart says the same thing. These things do not work for reducing radio frequencies from devices. And I've learned this very clearly in the last year. It doesn't mean they don't add something beneficial into your life. You know, maybe they add, who knows? I mean, because they're not really measured, but say they, they ground some person or say a person just feels better when they wear a stone or trinket around their, their neck or something like that, fine. But it actually doesn't remove, mitigate, or lower the actual radial frequencies from the environment. It doesn't do that at all. Mm-hmm. So what do you recommend then to people besides putting their phone away? Yes. So just like you said, which is huge for people, don't sleep with your phone next to you, number one. If for some reason you have to, it needs to be on airplane mode and it cannot be plugged in because that's a large electrical field, not a radio frequency field, but electrical field when it's right next to you. Always have it on airplane mode when you're not using it. Those are kind of basics with the phone. Always use it on speakerphone. Don't hold it up to your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can't put anything on your phone to stop the radio frequency output. You can't if you want to use it. Otherwise, it won't work. So that's the phone. But I would say, you know, big picture more than anything other than just the phone and this and that, at least turning your Wi-Fi off at night when you're trying to sleep in your own home, turning that off or going wired. It's really not as hard as some people think, but if they can't go wired or whatever, you know, reasoning, turn it off at least at night when you're trying to sleep because when you're sleeping is when you're doing your heaviest detox and you have to not be inundated by close product of radio frequencies to you. And then the next level would be to shield, use like shielding fabric, at least around your bed or in your bedroom to shield out not only your own home's radio frequency output, but the ambient ones from cell phone towers and things like that. So you can at least get good quality sleep. Sleep is totally important. One of the most uh, crucial and important things in healing is getting deep sleep. And you can't do that with, you know, tons of radio frequency around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's definitely overwhelming. I think the whole thing, like even our house is wired. 
But then you go to shut it off and then like the alarm, alarm's tied to it. You know what I mean? So you're just like, oh. Like, it's, it's about just, priorities at that point. Like, do I want to feel safe with a, with a security system or do I want to, you know, make sure I get the best quality sleep that I can for my healing purposes? And I get it. It's difficult at times depending on, you know, why someone has a security system. So it's a tough call, but I will also say there are systems that aren't run on Wi-Fi. Okay. So is there any other takeaways that you would say to anybody who's struggling right now, what they can do, what path? Because I know for me, I've been to so many doctors where you go down a doctor for three months and you just either feel worse or the same and you just spend a fortune of money and you're like, ah, that was three months of my life and I don't see an end. And then you switch, you go to the next doctor and then you switch, you go to the next doctor so is there, is there anything that you would recommend or suggest or any just to help people out of that dark hole they may be in right now? Well, I'm just focusing on what you were kind of saying of like jumping around. There is a, a hierarchy of like quality practitioners. So you have to find a practitioner that is dedicated to learning themselves. Like always, every night I'm learning. I'm always listening to the masters. I'm always engaged with what's up and coming new therapies and also ancient practices. So I think for, you know, people who jump from practitioner to practitioner, that's difficult because it's a real problem and a real occurrence for people, but you got to find someone who's actually doing legitimate therapies and they have a good track record of helping people heal. Like, for example, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm, I'm blathering, but for example, like I have people who come to me and they will never have even heard of how to properly address heavy metals. And heavy metals is huge with lime. Like lime loves heavy metals. So does mold. So you have to address heavy metals, but you have to do it in a very effective and safe way. And people will kind of haphazardly go and do IV chelation. They'll do really high dose IV chelation or even high dose oral chelation. And they'll wreck their body because they're mobilizing so much of the metals out. So that's just one example there are people who are telling their patients to do things that like in the holistic field we know is not proper and it's too much too fast for people. So I would say you have to just keep digging and learning yourself. And I know it's hard when someone has Lyme or chronic illness, it's hard to spend the energy to learn, but you kind of just have to be your, your best advocate and read the books and um, mm -hmm. get on the internet and just keep digging, be in groups and things like that to keep, you know, finding answers for yourself because there are practitioners that are doing some things wrong and harming people, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a patient that comes to you, how long is it before they start seeing like a positive change? Is it, is it months? Is it weeks? Is it days? I would say most of the people I see, and unfortunately, I don't know why this is. I mean, most people, I'm usually, you know, like the sixth or eighth doctor that they've seen for said whatever they're, they're going through. I think that usually it takes about a month to start seeing change happen. And the thing is, is because they didn't do really any consistent drainage work, drainage or binding work before they saw me. They might have dabbled in a little bit. Yeah, I've done sauna a few times. I did a couple enemas, but they didn't recognize or they weren't educated from their previous practitioners how fundamental that was. So when they come to me, I really ingrained it in them like, no, you got to be doing enemas at least three times a week like in this first month, you have to be sweating every single day. We have to be binding a couple times a day. I mean, I really push that. And so because they get that hint, they get that picture, they start doing it. 
within a month, they start feeling better because they're pulling out that biotoxin and bio waste. So I say most people about a month, they start feeling a little bit better, but recovery, you know, they have setbacks and then they'll take two steps forward. So that takes, you know, several more months to really change things around. And for the most part, are you work with people for a year or like how long until they're like, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, that's a good question. So in my membership, I've only had the virtual membership open for about two years. And I, I'm happy about how I have it set up because it doesn't lock anybody in. So I don't keep people. I don't keep people on contracts. They don't have to renew. It's, it's an auto renewal, but they can cancel anytime. So I, I have people who, who've been with me for a year and a half. I've had people who stay with me for three months. They get significantly better and they feel like, okay, I've got it from here on out. So I would say three months minimum, but I've had probably half my membership with me for about a year. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. If you want to learn more about Dr. Steph's healing program, you can check out her website. It's the zeropointlife.com. And you also have a good Instagram account as well. Lots of good information there for you to learn. But I thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. And I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Mimi. I appreciate it. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on, and I am so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week. You can also join our community at Lime360 Warriors on Facebook, and let's heal together. Thank you. Thank you.